It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 186 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatel of Z92.5 and Sportsnet Michigan with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Fatel of Valley Sports Detroit also on the phone this evening. Michigan and Michigan State both win to go to 5-0. and The Lions, well, they're worse than I even thought. Hashtag since 57. And the Sopranos movie is out, and that means a entertainment review is coming. Our all-stars include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, fellas, how, uh, how has the last week gone for you? Well, the first thing I was going to ask you before we get to anything else was, we, we saw the video that you shared on Twitter of the Chi-Town show in Frankenmuth. You know, we had mm-hmm. a member of the band on last week. How, how was it? The, the video you shared looked pretty cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little breakdown on it. Uh, it was fantastic, to tell you the truth. I was disappointed Jared apparently had other things come up on his schedule because it was, it was fantastic. You know, Jared's our faster horses, boots-on-the-ground guy. Well, this... Uh, this was a great event up there in Frankenmuth. They got this big giant pavilion, uh, and they have a huge stage set up there. They had a, ri- uh, uh, a mechanical bull. You could take rides on that. I stayed as far away from that as I could. And uh, but the band themselves, it, it was it was pretty cool. It kind of ties into uh, sports mentality, and I think you guys might agree with this. Uh, they had an opening band for them. Shy uh, Town was the headliner Saturday night. There was probably. I'm gonna guess two to three thousand people in this place. It was just rocking, and and the first band was called Rebel Line, and the crowd was really getting into it. I mean, it was they were good, they were very good, and you know, again using the sports analogy, Shytown saw that, you know, and I'm sure they got extra geeked up, 
and they came out red hot. You know, it was like a challenge, right? Competition. They came out and they played three straight hours. Uh, they slowed it down a little bit with that acoustic set that I posted on Twitter. But I think, I think this was just a tremendous night for the boys, and it was it was a great great evening. And they put on a great show. It looked great great with uh like i said that video of the acoustic set that's so that's so cool especially when they've been playing music as long as they have they're probably just looking for different ways that they can kind of you know show off their abilities and stuff i saw that uh the guest we had on last week casey had a, had a drum solo yep uh, as well throughout the show and the lights like looked incredible at that place so it looked like a really good event yeah i like how you said that it's like i made up i had to work son it's not like i was you know, sitting at home watching college football or something. Well, I just said, yeah, you're, something changed on your schedule because you were planning on going, right? Did he call you yeah, son, by also, the way? Yeah, he called me son. There's a, there's another diss. <laughs> I also I also remember the conversation was, hey, text me how you're getting down there. I could really use a ride. That text never came through on your end. Well, that's because I was waiting for you. I wasn't going to push you to go. if you wanted, I gave you the offer. The ride was there and never heard. Crickets. That's all. That's fair enough, but no, it looked it looked awesome. Uh, let me ask you this: In ter- how would you rate your? You had a ride there, had a ride back, so really no excuses. Did you kind of let it rip? Did you have a few uh, maybe doobie breaks and maybe some drink breaks? Well, I, I, let's just put it this way: I had uh, I, I let it rip. Let's we'll say that, and it's weird, you know. You know me. You both know me. I'm not too shy when it comes to talking to people. And I found I found myself, you know, walking up to people saying, hey, uh, where are you from? This you here to see Chi-Town? you just here for the festival? You know, and I was working the room like I tend to do sometimes. But uh, in our area where we had put our, our drinks down and had seats, there was this dude. He was probably, I'm going to say 70. And you could tell that he was an Elvis impersonator, right? And he... <laughs> He offered up a chair to uh, to my brother-in-law, Joe. Well, anyway, I told my wife, and I think I said something to Joe. I said, man, I want to ask that guy so bad if he's an Elvis impersonator, but I don't want, I don't want to, you know, tick him off if he isn't. <laughs> and finally, you know, I, I had to ask him, and he's giving me this whole spiel about, oh, yeah, you can follow me on YouTube, this and that. And I said, okay, okay all right. <laughs> but well, yeah, you, you didn't want to tick him off, especially after that, the run-in you had in the parking lot of the restaurant last week. <laughs> yeah, you got that right, man. I was on my best behavior, but it it was a great event. That that's my catch-up portion. How about you guys? I mean, Chi-Town rocked it out. That's all I can say. One thing I Matt, you'll get a kick out of this. I actually had some boots on the ground coverage of Ted and somebody a uh, little birdie told me that you were very intoxicated when he had a conversation with you. That's just a rumor I heard. Like I said, can't really uh, confirm it or deny it, but that's the rumor on the street. Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I I don't think I was, but maybe I was. I don't know. <laughs> you see you see what you're doing here, Jared? Ted <laughs> Ted was just going out. He he's nearing retirement. We know that he's a Chi-Town groupie. You know, that's why he was working the floor. He, he's a Chi-Town groupie. He's just having a great time up in Frankenmuth. And you're you're pulling uh, basically what happened to Urban Meyer that we're going to talk about in a little bit. What happened to Urban Meyer last week, he's got people, paparazzi, taking video of him, you know, kind of. <laughs> Kind of like busting him, and he's trying to have a good time. This is what you're doing to Ted. Yeah, blowing his cover here. Blowing my cover, and these yeah. young millennials, you know, oh, he's so funny. He's had too much to drink. Hey, listen, I didn't have to drive. I had a ride there and a ride back. You called it perfectly. I'm there to listen to some music. From uh, we got there about five thirty, so you damn right I was lit up. I wish I would have tailgated actually beforehand. It was a great time. <laughs> Wait. 
wait, so what was the now uh, the the pretzel hot dog or the pretzel brat? Did you end up having one oh, of those that you were talking about? No, no, major, major disappointment. That would be the only negative on this festival. They had, like I said, thousands of people, and when I say thousands, up probably a couple thousand. No food inside the facility. They had two food trucks outside major line to go get this way overpriced barbecue and way overpriced hot dogs i mean it was definitely a flaw and if somebody wants to make money man come there with food trucks next year because that that place people were just dying for food well and and something simple sorry i I don't know if you're about to jump in jared but like something like that yeah it's cool to have some some unique barbecue or you know some some different unique types of food but once it get once you know the shows get going and the drinks get flowing and stuff like that, you just need like a personal pizza. Yes. You just need so, like a pretzel. You just need like something simple. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Like you know, if if you were feeling like you were by eight, nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, just give me a pizza. Just give me a couple pieces of pizza. I'm good to go. Amen. No, I mean really, Matt. All you need is I mean you can just picture it now. Nice little flat top grill. Some guy flipping about. 50 hot dogs nonstop all night, yep. open them for two bucks a pop. I mean, that's all you need when you got some beers in your stomach. Uh, last thing you want to do is wait. In, when the concert's only three hours, last thing you want to do is spend 30 minutes of that waiting in the line for some like some fancy street food. Just give me a hot dog and let me get on with the night. Um, <laughs> but, no, real quick catch-up I'll just say is, uh, and this isn't even necessarily a catch-up, just something I've been thinking about. Matt, you don't have to worry about it because you're Mr. L.A. out there on the East Coast. But <laughs> L.A. Halloween. Uh, let me just be the first to say, why is Halloween not this weekend? You know, you think about the fall calendar. We have maybe two, three weeks where the weather is just perfect, like it has been this whole past week. You know, 70 degrees, no wind, cool at nighttime, perfect weather where you can be in a T-shirt during the day. Can we all just vote as, at least in the Midwest, uh, let's move Halloween up a few weekends. Would anyone be opposed to that? No, I, I would definitely 100% be, be on board with that for the Midwest, like you said, because down here by the time the end of October, it's it's definitely cool at night. I'm not going to say it's, like, hot at night, but it's not like, you know, up in Michigan, because I definitely remember as a kid sometimes having to wear, like, your winter coat over your costume. Yeah. Or, like, and I remember being, like, a kid, you know, you're so excited. I mean, this is, like, the biggest deal. You got the coolest costume in the world, whatever it is, football player, you know, werewolf, pirate, you know, whatever it is. And then you go trick-or-treating, and you got to wear a coat. You got to put, like, a winter hat over your costume, and then you're going to say trick-or-treat, and you're not even showing off your costume. No, I would would 100% be on board with that. Even do it, like, end of September. The last weekend in September, something like that, like where you can actually have a cool costume on and you're not having to cover it up with your Carhartts. Yeah, I'm well beyond it. So I, I could see you guys' point. You know, in a little history, you probably know that the reason it's Halloween is November 1st in the church is All Saints Day. So it kind of ties with October 31st there. My thought process, it, it's not along the same as yours as far as weather, but I really do believe Halloween should be the last Saturday in October, always on a yeah. Saturday. Yeah, because it always screws things up when it's on, like, a Tuesday. When do the kids go trick-or-treating? Mm-hmm. Or even this year it's on Sunday. Right. So it, it's kind of like, okay, so do you trick-or-treat on Saturday or <laughs> do you hold off and make it right. Sunday evening, you know, whatever? So I'd, I'd be in with that. Just make it the last Saturday of every October. No, yeah, you're right. That's a small little change that honestly should be made. It should be the same as Thanksgiving, you know, mm-hmm. the last Thursday every uh, November. It should be the last Saturday or the last Friday, whatever day you want to make it yep. uh, for Halloween. It, that's a simple change, but it's just something that 
we are so set in our ways with some things that it's just like we like sometimes you just have to look yourself in the mirror and think why do we do it this way because everyone complains about it everyone hates it it's a problem like matt laid out it, you have to wear a coat and winter gloves uh you can't even wear a costume and i don't know about you ted you probably noticed this that i feel like halloween trick-or-treating like the population has dropped significantly in the last like 15 years and this is just something that I feel like could really bring it back on track. Yeah, you may be onto something there because the weather is typically a factor. I know last year it was terrible, and we didn't get nearly the same amount of trick-or-treaters we normally get, and, and that number has actually gone down. So you're probably onto something there. You know, let me tie in a little sports thing since we're talking about dates and whatnot. How about the Super Bowl? You want to stay with the Super Bowl on the Sunday, and if you do, how, how about a national holiday, Super Monday, where everybody gets the day off? I think both, I feel like talking about this, both Super Bowl Sunday, I know that it's basically a national holiday, kind of like what you're saying, probably should change, but also the national championship for college football. Why is that on a Monday? Right. Like both should just be a Saturday. It really, like a Friday or a Saturday, or like you said, have it on Sunday and make Monday, uh, you know, like a national holiday because – yeah, everyone's staying up late watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, and then the national championship on a, on a Monday. Like, I can't even imagine if if Michigan ever, you know, ever actually has a chance to make it to the national championship. Right. And I'm watching it on a damn Monday. Like, what? What is this? What, what are we doing here? I, like, I have to work probably. I got to get up with kids the next morning. Like, what are we doing here? Right. It's got to be TV related, right? Money, TV. Yeah. Oh, 100. I don't think I, I would not be in favor of changing it to Super Bowl Saturday. No. NFL is, is Sunday. It's been Sunday since I've been a kid. It's been Sunday since you were a kid, Ted. Yep. That is the day for NFL football. We can't change that, but that's one thing I will say. College, awesome. You, I just, I, I remember maybe it was my sophomore or junior year, I had like an 8 a.m. class on like Monday morning. I like told my professor like a week before, I'm like, just flat out, I'm not going to be here. Uh, <laughs> you're a grown man. I'm a grown man. Like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fail this class. Like, I'm just not going to be here. Don't need to go through the mumbo jumbo, making up a sickness, just flat out, not going to be here. Uh, so that's why I always loved it during college is that I never, you know, oh, it doesn't matter what day any of these games were because if I wanted to, I could miss the next day without really any real repercussions. But, no, it should be a national holiday or they need to move the schedule some way where it's like Martin Luther King Day or something is is the day right after it. So it's like kind of a wink-wink, hey, you're not going to have to work the next day anyway. Let's just move it so that's always the Sunday right before Martin Luther King Day. Fair point. Hey, I got one quick question back in response. How did your professor take it? He was uh, he was a sports fan, but that's just kind of one of those things where, listen, I, I mean, I think he appreciated it because, hey, was I going to lie to him and say I'm sick and he knows I'm not sick, or can I just be flat out honest with the dude and say, yeah, I'm not going to be here? <laughs> and it's not like you know, I was I, I always was a, was a solid student. It's not like I was a, you know I was somebody he always had to worry about where I was missing assignments or this right. or that. I was going to be able to stay on top of this, so I don't think he really cared. That's awesome. All right, well, I don't know about uh, you guys, but I was pretty excited about college football last weekend, and let's get into that next right after this. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. 
Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance, no problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. till 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. All right, guys. So I've been texting some friends, talking to some people at work, and one of my uh, coworkers here, he's, he's a producer of the Fine Bomb Show. He's a, a Notre Dame fan, diehard family, deep, like four generations, Notre Dame people. Everyone's starting to ask me. I don't know if you guys are getting it, too. Everyone's starting to ask me, is this the year? Is this year? Is, is this Michigan team for real? Is this finally the year that Jim Harbaugh makes a run, beats Ohio State, gets to the Big Ten championship? And I don't know about you guys. Uh, we've talked about it, like, you know, these – these steps, beating uh, Washington, beating Northern Illinois, and then Wisconsin. That road game at Wisconsin was a big one. Are we are we to that point? Are we full-on believers? I think, Jared, you said in our instant reaction video that you're all in on Michigan. Are we completely in? Or now are we looking at Nebraska this Saturday, at Nebraska at night, as just like another, oh, my God, here we go, a little worried about it. Like, where are you guys at with this Michigan team? Because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about this squad right now. I'm I'm worried about that. Somebody like I think it was my roommate actually was like, "Hey, like this game, like Saturday is a big game. From here on out, every game is a big game because every game has Big Ten championship implications, and every game pretty much has college football playoff implications." I'm not saying we're a college football playoff team, but listen, somebody from the Big Ten is going to make it. And Ohio State, look, here's the thing that kind of sucks about Ohio State and playing them the last game every single year is they they always have one hell of a coach, whether it's Ryan Day at Urban Meyer, and they're night and day different between the start of the year when a team like Oregon could beat them and when we face them, which is right when they're rounding into shape. Uh, but regardless, I think the Big Ten is wide open this year, and all you got to do is win the Big Ten to get into the college football playoffs. So I don't see why we can't have that on a barometer. I'm not saying that we should be you know, booking the tickets to, to Lucas Oil right now, but, I mean, take it week by week. I, you look at everything in front of us, we control our destiny. And it really seems like we have the pieces where if we play our best game, we can beat the majority of these teams. And so I'm 100% full go drinking the blue Kool-Aid. Take it, still take it week by week, but this team has all the pieces that can win the Big Ten. I'm not saying they're going to win the National Championship. I mean, Alabama and Georgia, two entirely, they're playing a different sport. But we can get to the college football playoff and we can maybe beat an Ohio State team. And those are two big stepping stones for Michigan, which is something we've never done in my entire life. So I'm 100% on board with this team. I'm 100% in agreement with everything you just said, Jared. I mean, I'm on board. I'm I'm totally sold on this team that they've turned it around. The the mindset is different. Uh, I think we all have noticed that uh, the younger coaching staff seems to be gelling well with the team. Harbaugh has a handle on things. Uh, you know, the running game's there. The the passing game is good enough right now. And the thing that really impresses me the most is the defense. And that defense right now is playing lights out. 
and there doesn't seem to be many weaknesses there at all. And if they stay healthy, I'm right with you. You still got to go one game at a time. I mean, sure, they could go to Nebraska and uh, in Lincoln on a Saturday night game, they could lose that game. But that's not going to, even if they did, that's not going to put a complete damper on this season. It's still early enough to where they could still run the table and control their dynasty or their destiny. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I mean, looking at the schedule, I mean, Jared, you kind of talked about it too. They, you, you could almost, at this point, seeing how they've played, seeing how the rest of the Big Ten, seeing really how all of college football outside of Alabama and Georgia, like you said, seeing how, how everyone has played, like all the different upsets and everything, you could make a case for Michigan to be undefeated when they get into that Ohio State game. Or, right, like you just said, Ted, I wouldn't be shocked if they went to Lincoln and it was a battle and they ended up losing like a close one at the end because college football has just been crazy. And those – like – Nebraska's been down, but they're they're a solid team. Scott Frost is a he's a good coach. Nebraska is playing pretty good football, and that environment is tough. So it's going to be another challenge. Yes, that Wisconsin win was was awesome. Hadn't won there in 20 years, so you know, Jared, you you probably don't even remember that last time, obviously, that they won in Madison. So I mean, it, that was a big monkey to get off their back. So it, I, you could lay out a scenario that they're going to be undefeated going to the Ohio State game or they might end up with maybe one or two losses. But I'm right there with you guys because the defense to me is one of the biggest things. And we all love Don Brown. He was fiery. He was crazy. He was yelling all the time. He, you know, he coached some pretty good defenses. But he got exposed a lot, and I think it was clearly time for a change. And you can see a difference with this team and how they play defense. The energy, the way guys fly around. you got a guy like Dax Hill just making plays all over the place. The defensive line is good. And I, I just like – I don't, I'm not trying to be like you, you just want younger. You, you kind of alluded to it, Ted. I'm not saying you just want younger coaches, but sometimes there is something to that. You know, Don Brown is a little older. I'm not saying he's a bad coach just because he's older. You know, it's nothing like that. But sometimes just getting new, fresh people on the staff to, that can, like, relate a little more to players. I don't know if, Jared, you, you, you know, you're, you're younger than Ted and I, if you kind of think about that too. But, you know, you got these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids now you've got some younger coaches coming in that might be able to like relate to them a little more. I don't know if that's a thing, right. but the team's playing well, and I, I like I, I, the last thing I'll say. Like right now, the the thing I'm liking too, I like how they brought JJ McCarthy in mm-hmm. for like spot duty a little bit. I think I'll be curious to see if that's something that they do a little more go, going forward. I think Cade McNamara is still definitely the starter, and he is playing well. But JJ McCarthy has a skill set that like you can't leave him off the field. I'll be curious to see if they kind of bring him in in different spots, let him run the ball, let him make a couple passes, because that could be a really a really cool thing to see with the offense. Before I jump into the Michigan X's and O's, real quick, I just want to say something that's going to get you guys very excited. So the reason every game matters going on from here on out, whether or not it's Nebraska or Indiana, why we honestly should be really, really trying not to drop one of these games right. is because the Rose Bowl is not a part of the college football playoff this year. So let's say that we get somehow, some way, get to that Ohio State game undefeated, still lose by you know the usual game, lose by 50 points. <laughs> we are 100% heading to the Rose Bowl, and that's one hell of a consolation prize. That's why whenever the that the, the it aligns this way, where uh, the college, the Rose Bowl is not a part of the college football playoff, it's great to be a part of the Big Ten because that's the perfect game to play in. That's still a BCS game. That still means a lot. Uh, even if we don't make it to the college football play and playoff game, that's going to be waiting for us. So we should be rooting for Ohio State to win the rest of their game and then just somehow, some way, hope that we can get to that game undefeated because if we do, 100%, college 
consolation prize, we're going to the Rose Bowl. So we can root for that. Uh, but as for Michigan, I mean, tell me you guys can't see this happening, this, this exact storyline, because we know we're going to lose a game at some point with this team. We know we're not the best team in the country. But regardless, our passing game still, I know, Matt, you said, like, on paper, McNamara seems to be playing, like, well, good enough to win 100%. But I just see the writing on the wall where there's going to be a game where at halftime we're going to be down by two scores, and the whole second half we're going to be have, have to be throwing it. And I think that that is going to be finally the time when we turn over the keys to J.J. McCarthy. Because it's going to be the first half where, you know, Cade probably has two picks. We can't do anything through the air. And a, kind of a last chance, like desperation, sort of like what Alabama did with Tua all those years ago in the National Championship game, we have to turn to this guy as just a last, last gap for hope on offense. But I, I just, are you guys still, like – not sold on the passing game at all because I know I'm not. I, I it, it looks horrible. I, I mean, I don't know how else you put it. Really, the, the, every team we've played so far has been kind of the same sort of DNA as us, like Washington and Wisconsin. Where as long as we you know put up 21 points, we're going to beat them. Uh, whereas when we start playing these other teams like Ohio State and Michigan State, who can put up some points, we're going to have to put up points with them. And if we fall behind, we haven't trailed in a game yet this year. If we fall behind by 10 points, we're going to have to be throwing it all over the yard. And I just don't think that this team can do that. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say McNamara for sure is the guy to get that done if it comes down to it. But he's played – I don't – you said – you used the word horrible. And I don't think he threw the ball that bad last week at all. And I, I think, Matt, when you brought up the fact that McCarthy came in there, and I think I talked about it last week, I think it was just perfect the way that Harbaugh – got him in the game, gets him some some playing time during, you know, important games, not when it's desperation, not when it's mop-up, but during real action. And that makes his job easier if he does have to pull the hook out, you know, early, maybe to start a second half, you're down by a couple touchdowns. It's not going to be a shock to the team, and uh, he'll be ready for it. I, I think, again, I'm going to give that to Harbaugh that that's pretty good coaching. Now, whether he came up that with that himself, whether it's in the coaching room, but I think getting McCarthy in there, and we could, we see he can throw the long ball. Hell, McNamara threw the long ball on the flea flicker right on the money. So, I don't know. I think, I think the quarterbacking is pretty good right at the moment. No, I, I think the quarterback position is in a really good spot. You know, the, the thing about McNamara, yeah, does he probably does he have the arm talent? I guess as JJ McCarthy, you know, maybe not. But the thing is, is in in all these games, he's now started quite a few games for Michigan. He has no interceptions, no turnovers. Right. So, I mean, he if if anything, if he is a little bit more of a game manager, if you want to use that term, he doesn't turn the ball over. So that that's huge. And you know. J.J. McCarthy, he shows a little more athleticism. He can run the ball. So I don't know if it's going to end up being like a Tom Brady, Drew Henson type of situation where both quarterbacks kind of play. But like like you said, Ted, it's awesome on the coaching staff because I wonder if they basically said like maybe they saw Cade McNamara's little bit of his limitations and they saw how, how gifted J.J. McCarthy is and they said we can't keep this kid off the field. Like, Or if they saw that this could be a mismatch. Now the – defenses have to like scheme for that they don't know when jj mccarthy is going to come in you know what kind of plays they're going to run so i think they're kind of setting it up to confuse the defense you know you don't know which quarterback's going to come in so it could be a good thing i'm kind of with you though jared i I am the one thing i am very curious to see because like you said they michigan has not trailed yet in the game which is pretty impressive yeah 
is like if they do, say, this Saturday in Lincoln, all of a sudden Nebraska comes out hot and it's 10-0 right from the jump, 14-0 right off the bat, and Michigan's all of a sudden got to get in play in catch-up mode. Like, are they going to abandon the run, still going to stick with the run and let that set up the pass? That That's what I am curious to see because at some point, obviously, they are going to be trailing in a game at some point this year. So, like, what's the offense going to look like there? But, you know, I mean – Wisconsin had the best run defense in the Big Ten, and I know we didn't, like, rush for 300 yards, but the, the rush offense was actually still pretty good against Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm liking the balance. The biggest thing, I'm liking the energy. I'm, I'm loving the energy from the right. team, the whole jump around oh, thing, how Michigan just was stole awesome. jump around from Wisconsin. I was curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. I just There just seems to be a very different vibe with this team. Slim Harbaugh, you know, he dropped that weight. The energy is back. He's, he's pumping his fist. He's going crazy on the sidelines. Just seems to be a different vibe with this team. No, I, I, you know what's kind of sad to say is I 100% think it's just due to how the schedule laid out where it was. It's 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 kind of perfectly done where it seems like every week is like a little bit more of a challenge <laughs> or a little bit more. We have something to work on. We have time where the teams haven't been very good the first five weeks, and because of that, I think Michigan, like let's say that they were three and two right now and haven't played like just somehow some way we played Alabama game number one and. Uh, Ohio State game number two and maybe lost those two. I think this team is marginally worse compared to where they are now just because of how the confidence has grown. Uh, each week they seem to be more and more confident in themselves, more and more energies on the sidelines, where especially with the boogeymen that we've had to deal with at Ohio State where it's like a, more of a mental barrier than anything. As long as we keep rolling and that confidence is there, I think that we have a best, better chance of beating Ohio State this year uh, than we've had, you know, even when we had the better teams in years past, because they have that confidence kind of rolling. Well, I think you laid I that out. I mean, go you, ahead. You laid that out a few weeks ago. I mean, it's a perfect, it's a perfect example of what a team can do. This, you know, they can't help the schedule, but if you rattle off four and five wins in a row to start a season, it does nothing but give you confidence, and a, a team can steamroll from that point on for for quite a ways. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean. You guys seem a lot more – I'm actually shocked at how confident you guys are in this passing game. Uh, the, what I would say is I do like what they're doing with McCarthy, getting his feet wet, but I would say why were, why are they doing that if they trust Cade? You know, I think that they're 100% doing this knowing that, hey, at some point we might just have to take our chances and roll with this guy. Uh, and so I think that that's actually kind of what they're setting up. And whether it's a Wally Pip type situation where Magnamara goes down with an injury, uh, knock on wood, and McCarthy has to step in, I do think that that is kind of the end goal of this team this year is to roll with McCarthy at some point. And, and I didn't think McCarthy would be ready, but it kind of seems like he is. Well, let me ask you this. You know, every time he's on the field, he seems ready. Both you guys. I mean, okay, I'm not going to say McNamara is an NFL number one draft choice, but Matt said it. No interceptions. And if you look at his pass completion and yardage, it's right up there and, you know, very uh, solid numbers. Here's uh, – you're getting Tyrod tailored right now. No, no. Why? All just that. tell me what – is it just a feeling that you have? There's no any risky passes. That, like, we don't have any – I mean, we saw – well, I don't remember who it was to. Uh, it should have been a touchdown. It ended up getting broken up because he won it. The ball hung in the air forever. It was right along the left sideline first half. Hung in the air forever. It was behind the receiver, and the receiver got hit, like, right as, he, uh, right, right as it was coming uh, into his hands. And, like, the announcers, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson, basically blamed it on the receiver – where I saw that as if this was a lot better of a pass, like he doesn't even have to worry about the defender. He's waltzing into the end zone. Uh, it, it just, I don't know. I, you can tell like, 
you just can tell when a guy is just picking up these kind of garbage touchdowns and stat lines. Whereas, with, like I compared to Tyrod Taylor, when he was at the Buffalo Bills, people would always say, like, how is this guy not a starter? Look at his stat line. You know, he doesn't throw interceptions. He's got 12 TDs on the year and all these yards. Well, all of his passes are, inter- are like inter- intermediate to short routes. And he doesn't make any risky throws at all. He doesn't even try the ones that could potentially get picked off because he doesn't want to throw picks. And it's just a whole another layer of the game that will be unlocked. All right. Well, I'm, will, I'm no, willing I, to take an interception or two more if it means we're going to have a couple more game-breaking throws throughout the game. No, I, I definitely think that – I think most people would probably agree with this. J.J. McCarthy's ceiling is much, much higher yep. than Cade McNamara's. Like if, if McCarthy can come in and – fulfill the potential, all this potential that he has. I mean, his his ceiling obviously is probably much higher than McNamara's, but maybe that's not where the team is right now. They need a quarterback who's not going to be turning it over, letting the defense get settled. You know, you're putting the defense in bad, bad positions and stuff. Well, now the defense is getting a ton of confidence, so now maybe you can roll with McNamara, cause he, or uh, with McCarthy, because he might take a couple chances. M- McNamara does hit some deep balls. I'm not saying that he's just airing it out like crazy, like Aaron Rodgers or something, but he does hit some deep balls. I mean, he he threw up a couple that, that were completed. Like Ted said, the flea flicker was on, on a dime. I mean, he, he does throw a good ball. Now you can see that McCarthy has a, probably a better arm than he does. So, yes, I'll just be curious to see what they do. Like you guys have both said, maybe they're just kind of laying this out, getting McCarthy some, some time, some reps. So maybe the game at MSU maybe at Penn State later in the year, you know, something like that. If it is a close game or McNamara is playing bad, well, now McCarthy's already comfortable. He's been playing a lot. You can plug him in. You know, maybe that's kind of the mindset. But either way, I mean, they're they're playing well. The offensive line is playing well. They're protecting him. I think they've only given up like one sack this whole year. So, you know, the offensive line is playing well. Both running backs are getting repetition. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, do they have a a game-breaking wide receiver? I don't know about that yet. I mean, I don't know if it is Cornelius Johnson or what. But, you know, overall, I think the offense right now is playing well. Like you said, though, Jared, like each week is like another, okay, now we're at Nebraska, and this is going to be another tough game. And then, let's see, we're home against Northwestern, which is always tough. Northwestern's definitely down this year, but that's always a tough game. And then the week after that is at MSU, which might be a top-ten matchup, you know, against a, a rival in Michigan State. So, Every week is just going to be a different challenge. And the biggest thing I like, like I said, the energy around the team, it seems to be like that the players are holding each other accountable. They're excited. They're having fun. And they're just building confidence week in and week out. They got that, that, that notch win that in Madison. So now if they go to Nebraska and get this one, like I, I think that the confidence is just growing with this team. And with how college football is going this year, uh, it, you know that that could carry them a long way. Just believing that they, they this can be their year. Yeah, it re- I mean, just looking forward to uh, the rest of the season and, and Michigan State game that's coming up is like I laid out a little bit ago. We cannot, we can't lose these games that we're supposed to win. We got to handle Nebraska. I'm okay if we lose to, let's say that we just lose to Ohio State, Penn State, 50-50 shot against Michigan. State. I mean, worst case scenario, we're nine and three if we just win these games that we're supposed to win. So we can't. And that's why I like having the bye week right before Michigan State is because we're not going to be looking ahead, uh, whether that's this week or Northwestern or however you laid it out, what the schedule is. I, I like how the schedule, the schedule aligned perfectly for us this year. But looking ahead to Michigan State, uh, they have uh, Indiana and Rutgers uh, to beat still before the Michigan game, which I think they should. And, I mean, college game day, as long as both teams handle their business, it's going to be at Michigan versus Michigan State. 
and I can't wait. It's going to be the most anticipated game since 2015. Uh, but we talked about it in weeks prior. The three guys that I am very, very nervous about is one, Jaden Reed. Where did this guy come from? He's wow. leading the entire uh, uh, entire country in total yards. And then you have Kenneth Walker. We all know about him, stud running back, leading the entire country in rushing yards. But something about Speedy Naylor and Jaden Reed, they're two stud receivers, I'm really, really worried about. We have not been tested with receivers like that at all this year, and we won't be until the Michigan State game. And in a game that's most likely going to be low scoring, like I bet the over-under is going to be maybe 50 points, those two guys could ha- each have one big-time play that just totally changes the entire game. So that's, those are two guys I'm circling heading into that week in a couple weeks. Yeah, when Michigan plays them, they, they certainly better not be kicking the ball to Jaden Reed, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, that guy is electric. And, and, you know, let's give some credit to uh, the quarterback, too, Thorne there, Peyton Thorne. I mean, He's playing real well right now, and he's got that confidence brewing. And and Coach Tucker, I mean, we've talked about it before. The whole mindset has completely turned. You know, the transfer portal helped a lot of that, but it's a whole different world over there with the Spartans right now. Maybe it was getting a little stagnant with D'Antonio. I mean, obviously the greatest coach ever at MSU, but Coach Tucker right now, He's, he's he's making a name for himself, and you're dead on, Jared. They should win their next couple of games and, and start, and they should continue to roll. No, they, they definitely should be. I mean, they're they're at Rutgers this weekend, and then uh, at, well, they, they've got to buy, or wait, let's see, what, I'm looking at the date. Yeah, they're at Rutgers this, think, this Saturday, yeah, and then at uh, Indiana. So, right, those should be two wins. You don't want to just, like, notch them up as wins because, no. you know, Rutgers is a solid team. And, and you wonder about Michigan State looking ahead. You know, now they've kind of gotten past their early season test. They're probably going to be top ten after, you know, a couple weeks some more upsets happen. So, right, is Michigan State going to start looking ahead to that Michigan game? And, you know, you wonder about that with Michigan too. But, yeah, I mean, if if both teams handle their business and are top ten going into that matchup, like we've said before, that might be the most hyped matchup that we see. But, I mean, Mel Tucker, I mean, you, you have to give him credit. Everything we just said about Michigan getting these wins, you know, winning the early season matchup with Washington and then going to Wisconsin, getting that win, building that confidence in the team so they believe in themselves. It, it's all the same with Michigan State, too, because we all know that they were a little down the last few years. And, you know, you got a, a coach coming in having to rebuild the program, rebuild the roster. You know, maybe expectations were a little low for Michigan State. They're already number, like, they're number 11. Like, that, it's pretty crazy to think about how low people were looking at Michigan State coming into the year. And we're five games in, and they're number eleven in the country. So I, honestly, I don't, I don't think Michigan State. They're probably not even looking at this as like still rebuilding with Mel Tucker. I think they think that they can win the Big Ten this year. Yeah. I, you know, I, their confidence is probably booming just like Michigan's is. Just so, so I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, the college football right now is sitting in a cool spot because yes, you've got Alabama and Georgia, but the rest of it. I mean, you got Cincinnati sitting at number five. Hmm. And you've got Iowa and Penn State at three and four, and they play this Saturday. So you know, someone's going to lose there. That's going to shake things up. And college football is shaking out pretty cool. I'm just curious to see the biggest man. I just I don't want to lose though Michigan State again. No, I just the old buddy. Believe me, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of nerves heading into that game, especially if both teams are undefeated. I mean, yeah. Jim Harbaugh's legacy is, in my eyes, is if they're both undefeated heading into that game, everything wrong that's happened in the last five years is forgiven if he can just win no, that game. <laughs> yeah, because that's what, what I was thinking, kind of like what you're saying. When you, when you were talking a couple minutes ago about if Michigan just handles their business and you, you, you said if they ended up 9-3 and three with losses to 
Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. I don't know if that – I mean, it would be tough to say fire Harbaugh after a 9-3 and season, but if your three losses are those teams and it's another loss to Ohio State, you're starting off 0-2 versus Mel Tucker, oh, man, that, that would be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, you know, and we're – you can tell from our excitement level with both teams 5-0, and especially the Wolverines, a little bit different uh, three-point podcast conversation between the three of us this year than it was a year ago, huh? I mean, that was just oh, terrible. I was thinking about that today, actually, like looking at the rankings and, you know, obviously looking at Twitter and seeing a lot of some Michigan fans still like with their Debbie Downer type stuff, a little right. bit like Jared there, still like taking shots at the passing game or whatever, which I like it, there is like constructive criticism for sure. Yeah. But I, and I thought about that, right? What you just said, Ted, man, we're sitting as Michigan fans sitting here at number nine team in the nation, five and zero, going into a big game at Nebraska. Think about what we were watching last year, <laughs> and just try and enjoy this. Michigan is playing some right. good football right now. Well, how about just how about the fact that we? I mean, if you want to, if we want to go this this route, how about the fact that we even have football? I mean, we didn't even get a Michigan Ohio State game last year. It's pretty crazy to think about. We didn't even have that game, uh, yeah. and they were so bad last year. There was probably I bet two or three of their games last year that I didn't even watch. Yeah, I didn't care to watch. It was horrible. Um, it was just a horrible. Let me year. address the elephant in the room. Uh, did you guys happen to see the Rutgers? Who we honestly, if we're being honest with each other, probably could have lost that game. Did you happen to see the Rutgers Ohio State score from this past weekend? Oh yeah, absolutely. So just if you ever need to be brought back to reality, just know what's waiting for us at the very end of this season. <laughs> Come on, Jared, let us have this, will ya? Let us have it. It's just, I, here's what I don't understand: is why. Ohio State versus the Big Ten is is like the perfect team, but then when they play all these other schools, they it's either a dogfight or they're losing to an Oregon team. Like right. it just it just blows my mind that it, it's like the mental barrier that Michigan has had uh, against Ohio State. It, it it's perpetuated throughout the entire Big Ten that they just scare everyone to death whenever they play them. They just blow teams out as a, as, a, as a result. They're still Ohio State. That's the bottom line. You know, until until you knock the king off the throne, uh, they're always going to be dangerous for sure. Now, before we wrap up the college portion here, guys, a couple of the topics. We touched on it briefly. I got two things. The jump around. Just, again, some thoughts on that, which I thought was just incredible. And then I'm surprised neither one of you brought up, because it seems to be a, a topic that you're really interested in is Michigan wearing the blue pants. Oh, I, I absolutely love the blue pants. I'm curious to hear what Jared has to say. Love the look. I, like, first of all, just the look. Yes. The look is very cool. Very cool to see the blue pants, switching it up. But the biggest thing to me, I, I touched on the energy and the different vibe with the team. Michigan, in the history of the, the, the football program, they've been around since 1700 or whatever playing football at Michigan. They have never wore blue pants. Amazing. And this is just another thing to me. Again, I, I'm not saying they're about to run the table and win the national title, but this is just another thing where I think the, the, the coaching staff, the program, you know, whoever it is, took a look at themselves in the mirror, like with some of their coaching changes, and said, like, we got to do something different. You know, kids these days, kids these days, I'm making myself sound old, but, Jared, you can talk about this. Kids will go to certain schools because they got cool uniforms. I mean, there's probably kids that go to Oregon just because they got cool uniforms and they're, you know, got the Nike connection and everything. So kids, when they see this, they, they will want to play well, just like Michigan State the last couple of years. It started switching up their, you know, their helmets and their, their alternate uniforms. So I just think, like, seeing them bring out some alternate uniforms. I, I don't want them to ever touch the helmet. I don't, I don't really want to see them mess with the no helmet. Way. Maybe that's a, no. a traditional Sacrilegious. thing. Sacrilegious. But the, the blue pants, 
I, I still like the white on white, but the blue pants with the white jersey, I'm all in for the look, but also just because they did something fresh. They did something new. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I bet you Michigan State probably got two recruits this weekend just for putting the stupid, gruffy Spartan <laughs> logo on their helmets for a week. No, it blows my mind. Like, how have, we, how have we never wore blue pants before? We made sure for the Under the Lights game to bring out the biggest, like, circus uniforms that the world has ever seen, but we've never, ever even just had blue pants. Uh, and that's kind of what you said, Matt, how we should never touch the helmets. I think that if we just mix around these, like, we keep the traditional, like, ideology, oh, my gosh, I virtued that, of Michigan, like, sort of like how Penn State just sticks with the white and, you know, blue uniforms. We can still have that same sort of thing with Michigan if we just mix out the the traditional, you know, the, the May, all the maize out uniforms, the all blue uniforms, the white uniforms with blue pants, the maybe if we want to go crazy, you know, uh, white uniform with, with the maize pants. I don't know, just mix it up. But I just think it's cool that we have all these different things that we can use, these different combinations, and we have never used them before. So let's just keep bringing them out. Yeah. I'm loving them. Uh, yeah, I, and by the way, it's not crazy to go with the white jerseys and gold pants they wore those for yeah, years we've done that before. <laughs> but the one suggestion <laughs> yeah, on the, my head raised, I, said it. I, I don't know about the your thoughts on this fellas but the solid blue looked good the solid blue pants did look good but i thought you know with their winged helmet i just myself personally i thought you know maybe three stripes down each side of the leg would look really sharp gold you know maize stripes yeah you, you could do some different stuff with like that you know put some put some stripes or you know something like that with the pants that would definitely be cool Oh, but I, I was just gl- glad to see him switch it up. Yeah. I, I just like seeing new energy. I could like what Mel Tucker, like what Michigan State is doing. Same thing. Yep. You know, like you said, D'Antonio is starting to get a little stale there with any slanting. Mel Tucker's bringing new a new energy. It looks like the same's happening with Michigan, and it's the same with the jump around thing. That mm. is Wisconsin's thing. Everyone who knows college football knows fourth quarter jump around at Wisconsin. It's one of the coolest things in college football. And Michigan stole it from them. I mean, straight up, you guys have all seen the video, stole it from them to the point where the Wisconsin sideline, the players were just watching Michigan. They weren't even jumping around. They, They were watching Michigan. Michigan's players were jumping around. Coaches were jumping around. It's now been seen a million times on Twitter and social media. And what happened the very next play? Strip sack, and Michigan got the ball back. So you you have to think that it's stuff like that that is changing the energy with the program. And, I mean, we're only five games in, but we're seeing them playing really well because of it. Balls out move. I, I love I'll it. be the first to admit, I used to hate the, like, rah-rah. It's just not how I'm wired. The whole rah-rah, like, football type stuff. Like, if I was on Michigan, I'd be the guy standing behind everybody jumping up and down. Just never how I was wired. I always thought it looked stupid. I always thought it looked stupid when I did stuff like that. So, but, no, it's awesome. Uh, they, they jacked it from Wisconsin. And that's, that's the thing that just we have a different vibe this year. I, Harbaugh seems to be letting the guys let it rip a little bit more than they have in the past. And, 100%. I mean, they're kids. It's football. At the end of the day, let them have fun. So I love it. Amen. Well, speaking of the opposite of fun, the Detroit Lions, let's have a short <laughs> segment on the Honolulu and Blue coming up next right after this. 
JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him Three Point Podcast sent you. All right, guys, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but uh, things to me seems like they're getting from bad to worse down in Detroit with the Lions. And I guess it's okay if we're trying to tank the season out for, you know, uh, maybe a number one pick. But, man, that, that game against the Bears was just brutal to watch. You know, five times in the red zone, scoring only one time, uh, clock mismanagement late in the game, not going for a field goal. I mean, and now injuries are starting to pile up. It, this might be a year where I'm not going to make it through the whole schedule locking in on Sundays. It, we've said it every week, and other people have said it. They're going to play hard, hopefully. Maybe if they end up starting 0-12, we hope they don't start to tail off. But for Dan Campbell, they're always going to play hard for him, and they did on Sunday. But you're seeing like the... I don't know. I don't want to take a shot at Dan Campbell because he probably is a solid coach. He obviously knows football very well. But you're seeing, like the like you mentioned, the not taking a field goal at the end of the game and to try and get the ball back, you know, and and stuff like that. And some of the they're they're not very disciplined with some of the penalties that they get, and just just some of the other stuff, the clock management and everything. You're you're seeing that maybe this guy isn't necessarily like all he's cracked up to be to head be a head coach and. I don't know. My expectations weren't very high coming into the year. I'm I'm almost like to the point where I'm still going to watch, but I honestly, it is it's not affecting me like it used to. Right. <laughs> when when the Lions used to lose, I used to get really locked in, and I would be like really let down, you know, when they would typically come back and then blow it at the end. I would be pissed off for like the next hour or two. No, not anymore. This team sucks. They're terrible. I don't trust Dan Campbell as a coach. It is what it is. The Lions are terrible. Hundred <laughs> percent agree with yeah, what you but- said. Why even get upset with these losses? Yeah. Uh, this is how I've been viewing the Lions the last, like, five years is, hey, if they win, great. If they lose, it's usually some hilarious way that they lose. So just enjoy the, enjoy the laughs that you get from it. Yeah. Uh, Campbell already showing some cracks yeah. uh, in terms of his coaching. Just flat-out idiotic decisions in the red zone not to kick field goals when they should have, especially against the Bears, who don't have some – they're not like the Kansas City Chiefs where we have to score touchdowns to keep up with them. I mean, if we just take some field goals, it's an entirely different game, put some pressure on Justin Fields, maybe he makes some mistakes late in the game. Entirely different outcome, I think, if we just kick some field goals. Uh, but Jared Goff, man, your guys' is white knight that was supposed to <laughs> save this franchise. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what, is this not exactly what we expected from the Goff experiment, experience, which is, yeah, he's, he's probably a starter in the NFL, but at the end of the day, you, you're not winning nothing with him. No, you're right. We do. It's exactly what we expected. We didn't say he was the White Knight. It's a, he's playing exactly what I figured he would play. He's playing solid quarterback. He's not the reason they're losing. He's not the here, but he's also part of the reason they're 0 4. That's true too. He is a starter. <laughs> That's true. No, I, I guess that like yeah, he he's it's kind of crazy watching him because he'll make two or three, four throws in a row, so a couple plays where you're like, oh, yeah, you were a number one pick. That, that's why you were a number one pick. And then he goes like a series or two, and you're like, why is this dude even on the field? I don't even understand this. And no. I guess, you know, we're, you're, you guys have probably seen it too. A lot of Lions fans are starting to, like, throw around, oh, if, if the Lions didn't draft Jeff Okuda, they could have Justin Herbert at this point. Or, you know, throwing around some of those scenarios. 
And it's like, I, I, while I don't subscribe to that, I think that's kind of ridiculous because the Lions had Matt Stafford at the time. And even though we talked about the Lions drafting a quarterback, I don't know if you were going to draft one that high. But anyway, and the thing that I was going to say is, I, the one thing I do wonder, and I'm starting to think about it now, I was on board with rolling with golf for a year or two and then you know, kind of seeing where things are at. But I'm starting to wonder why, if you are 100% sure this is a rebuild, which it is with Dan Campbell, the roster's terrible, why did you keep Goff? Like, I'm almost starting to wonder, like, if you really weren't going to hold on to him for the next 10 years, why didn't you just get him and he, try and trade him to someone else for just a pick or two, you know, a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, and just get start David Blau, start, you know, draft a quarterback in the fifth round of this last draft. If you're 100% this is a rebuild – I'm kind of like, why do you even have Goff out there? You yeah. know he's not going to be around in a year or two. I don't know. I'm just starting to think about that. That's fair. And the other thing the other thing that's been flying around is, you know, do they seriously consider making a deal for uh, Watson if he becomes eligible? I, I don't. If I'm the Lions, I'm 100% waiting to see uh, what the heck the deal is with Watson. And honestly, I wouldn't even really want him. I mean, we're going to, as long as we don't win some games we shouldn't, Mm-hmm. We're going to have the number one pick this year. We should. Right. That's why I don't understand why Lions fans are like getting like when we lost that game to the Ravens, to delay a game like they're losing their mind. Like we do not want to win that game. This team is not a playoff team, even if we beat the Ravens somehow, some way. Like just let the lose the losses keep stacking. That's why I'm, like my Sundays, whether the Lions win or lose, it does not change my mood at all. If, if anything, if they win, I'm more upset than I would be if they lose because <laughs> at the end of the day, we are just hoping that we can get a franchise quarterback in these next couple of drafts uh, because if not, Ted, I mean, you, you might be dead before this rebuild ever takes shape. <laughs> hey, don't remind me. I know. <laughs> and, you know, is, is it – wow. think about that? Like, as the years keep adding on, <laughs> like I think about it with my grandpa or somebody who's like been a Lions fan his whole life, like 90 years old. Like each every time we do one of these rebuilding cycles, it's like ten years before we're a legitimate like Super Bowl contender if everything goes right. Like, do you ever like you have the entire schedule like mapped out for the season? Do you ever map out your like life schedule as like a Lions fan? Like, oh. let's say that this rebuild doesn't work, we hit the reset clocks in five years. I mean, man, like the years just keep adding up. That'd be a disappointing life, wouldn't it? <laughs> at least grandpa he saw the power teams in the 50s you know he he was in his prime of his life then so he at least has that in his lifetime look what i got it's pretty crap it's ridiculous got barry sanders got barry sanders that's true barry sanders yeah. kelvin you know and stafford while he was there but it, it's all about the w baby okay I, I think enough about the lions but the big nfl story is mr horndog himself urban meyer i mean holy cow has the has the bridge crumbled there or what early i mean i don't i don't know if the bridge was ever all that stable when they hired him in the first place i think they right. they should have known what they were getting themselves into when they hired him i think you know they were hoping to catch that you know like lightning in a bottle type of thing obviously urban meyer is one of the greatest college coaches ever so you can't take that away from him so maybe they were hoping you know to hit something by hiring him but he, he's as flaky as they come I mean, you, you never have no idea. He's retired three times for health reasons and family reasons, and then he's back a year or two later. So you almost can't believe anything out of his mouth. I see, I see those videos of him at the bar with the girls all over him, and it just makes me think, like, all right, this dude a couple years ago was at Ohio State teaching a leadership class <laughs> at Ohio State. He's telling people that he's retiring for family reasons. 
health reasons, and then he's back a year or two later. Like, how can you believe one word that comes out of this guy's mouth? So, like, when they're interviewing him for the job, for the head coaching job, I can't even imagine, like, what, what the interview process was like. It, it had to just basically be like, hey, listen, you were – we can't believe anything you're saying – but you were good in college. We're hoping that you're going to be good with Trevor Lawrence because we're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. So hopefully you hit there. But it's just laughable seeing this because now they're like, you know, he apologized again. Oh, and painful. they're saying that they're hoping they can build trust back with him. And it's like if you're hoping you can build trust back with him, it's Urban Meyer. You're never going to do that. So why don't you just cut ties now? Get an interim coach and hope that. I mean, you got Trevor Lawrence. You can't mess that up. It's just a laughable situation. I'm going to play devil's advocate, but I also kind of believe this in also the same sort of sense. If I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars and I'm the owner, like we, we sort of let the Twitter feed sort of dictate what we do, but what does any of that have to do with him as like an actual NFL head coach? Like let's say that they're 4-0 right now and this story breaks. Like should they fire him? Like I don't see how this would necessarily affect what he does on a day-to-day basis in the NFL. And, and point number two is uh, – do you guys really think that there's not a lot, a lot of these head coaches that are doing this sort of stuff? I mean, I remember my brother actually kind of funny. He told me a story. He was at some this like some casino in Louisville, and he saw Rick Pitino there making out with a girl when he was married. <laughs> he still is married, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and just stuff like that, you, it never sees the light of day because you know whether it's because cell phones are so much more uh, prevalent nowadays, or people are just smarter than Urban Meyer doing it right in the middle of this Columbus bar. <laughs> Uh, but I just think that this sort of stuff happens a lot more. And I just I don't understand, I guess, why this has to be tied into them as, like, what they do X's and O's or as, like, a coach. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily an X's and O's thing, but it 100% is, like, the trust thing or losing your locker room. I mean, you, you're trying right. to build a program. You're trying to build a culture. And you're out here lying to your team. You're lying to your, you know, your wife. You're lying to your family. So what are players looking at now? Like not only he right. didn't fly, they were he he was they were at their game and he didn't fly back with the team. He stayed there to spend his quote unquote family time, and so he's lying to his players. He's lying to his you know his his management, and his so now he's losing the locker room. They stink. They're worse than the lions. And yeah, they're worse than the lions. So that that's what it is. Like yeah, is it an X's and O thing? Well, no, probably not. But. That, that, I mean, you, you bring up Rick Pitino, he had plenty of other issues. There's a reason that he's coaching in, like, D2 basketball right now. Yeah, and it, it is kind of a shame that, like, See, you're, now that you said that I have, I have seen the stories where players, basically Urban Meyer canceled the team meeting right afterward uh, and only addressed the players in, like, individual groups. He didn't address it as, like, a team. Uh, and basically, it kind of reminds me a lot of, like, the John Beeline situation in Cleveland where, as soon as the whole, you know, thugs or slugs like storyline came out, the players were just like, "We're done with this clown. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not listening to you anymore. You're a joke." Uh, and it kind of seems a lot like a very similar situation to that, where it's a college coach came up, tried to do like a whole, uh, you know, communist type regime, uh, and the, so the players immediately kind of backfired. And then as soon as they had something they could grab onto, some storyline or whatever, they're just going to use that to basically make a complete joke of this guy at these team meetings and during practice and during the games. So I think that's the way it's going. I think that Jacksonville should just get out of this while they still have some pride. Yeah, and I mean, he, he just totally did not help himself with that unbelievable apology that he had at that <laughs> press conference. I, I, that was one of the most cringeworthy things I think I've ever seen, and it shocked me that he handled it that way. I don't know if he was trying for the sympathy thing, but it was just, it, it was just awful. 
just awful. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, Jared. Maybe things were starting to build up, and they saw this happen, and they're almost like, "Cool, there it is. There's our thing to kind of yeah. kick this dude out the door." But you know, you, you like brought up the other coaches, and the thing is, because like you said, cell phones are everywhere. Everything's getting recorded. If you're Bill Belichick, if you're you know, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, if you're Mike Tomlin, if you're like some of these other dudes and you're at the bar doing the same thing, someone's going to be recording you, and we're not seeing video of any other coaches doing stuff like this. So at least <laughs> at least from what I know. Yeah. So it, it's just Urban Meyer, man, I, <laughs> like I said, he's one of the greatest college coaches ever, but I don't know. I, I saw someone share a meme because, uh, <laughs> you know, he was the coach at Florida with Aaron Hernandez. And then when, you know, he got hired with the Jaguars, he brought Tim Tebow in uh, to play tight end. Aaron Hernandez was also a tight end. And then we saw the videos of him at the bar with this girl. He likes tight ends. Someone say that Urban Meyer has some questionable choices when it comes to tight ends. (laughs) But a boom. (laughs) It it is like, do you think that this is like something he's been doing for the last, like, like 10 years or so? 100%. how does do, do, we, do we really think this is like an isolated incident? This is the first time he's ever done something like this. I highly doubt that him and his wife have a have a healthy marriage. I'll say that. I can't I can't comment on that, but it's not the first time that he's been in this situation. That I, I would right. definitely bet my life on. Unbelievable. It is just like you know, almost like the thing that kind of boggles my mind most about it. It doesn't surprise me that he's doing it. It surprised me how dumb. He, like, did it. Like, are you shitting me right now? A bar? Dude, I got to just picture some frat boy. It's probably the guy who took this video. Like, dude, look at Urban Meyer sending out Snapchat to probably all of his buddies. Like, he's literally getting grinded on by some girl. Like, how do you just do that in the middle of that place? Go in the back room or something. I, I, how does that happen? It looked like, too. Like, he that's, was... the, that's what's the craziest part. Like, you're so stupid. It was. It looked like he was even trying to be clever hiding his hands under her ass. I mean, it was just crazy. <laughs> Like what is going on out here? Oh my god! <laughs> All right, well let's let's finish this sh- the show strong here, boys. We'll take a quick break one more time, and then we'll be back with a little movie review. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. All right, guys, I think so far I'm the only one that has seen the many saints of Newark. I know, Jared, you were uh, hoping to see it, but I, your HBO Max subscription ran out or something? Yeah, so I've had HBO Max for the last, like, six months. Uh, as we talked about in pods before, uh, the bills have been adding up a little bit lately, so that was one of the things that unfortunately had to get the cut. I just wish I would have connected the dots and realized that this movie was going to be coming out on HBO Max, I would have held on to it for one more month, but now it's too far gone. I can't re-up it and then cancel it again. So yeah. I'm going to have to figure out some way to watch it on the black market, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and your Uncle Ted did uh, offer to have you come over and watch it, but apparently that wasn't a good enough offer. It must not have good enough food on the, <laughs> on the barbecue. That's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, how- first of all, first, first 
first he he doesn't show up to go to the Shy Town concert. Right now he's not coming over to watch the movie. I think he's sending you a message. Well, I think it's pretty clear, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I will. I don't know how deep you want me to get into this, Jared, because since you haven't seen it, and Matt, I don't know if you're going to have any interest in it. You never did watch The Sopranos, did you? I was going to say never saw The Sopranos. I know that's like blasphemy, but no. So I. Should I watch this first, or should I watch The Sopranos first? Here's what I would say, and I, I tweeted it. I, I think if you had watched The Sopranos, this is a must-watch, okay? That's number one. Uh, number two, my my rank, my rank, ratings for it, first of all, it was way too condensed. It was two hours of just too much. It, sh- it should have been an HBO eight- or ten-part series. Really dive into the characters. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, uh, Michael Gandolfini, who plays young Tony, he doesn't even show up in the movie until like 50 minutes in the movie's really concentrating on Christopher Maldasani's, uh, dad and, and his involvement in the mob. So that, that was, uh, that was one critique I would have also in my viewpoint, this movie would have been so much better if it would have kind of painted the picture on how Tony Soprano became Tony Soprano, you know, how he how he worked his way up the ranks to become the boss of New Jersey. It, it just didn't get into that at all. So that was a little weak. Way too much Ray Liotta. Uh, he, he played two characters. He played twin brothers, kind of one was in prison and the other brother was was uh, uh, Dickie's dad. I don't need to go too much more into that, but it, that wasn't very good. Uh, there were brief cameos by all the characters that were on The Sopranos, like Polly Walnuts, Big Pussy, uh, Silvio. And if you watch it, Jared, you're going to pick out Silvio immediately. And it was it was almost a caricature of playing his part. So that wasn't really good. If I'm going to give an overall score on this movie out of three, I can only give it a two. Uh, if you're a Sopranos fan, you watch it. There was one good twist in it. I won't say what it was, but there was a twist that kind of tied something together from the series. But other than that, it was, to me, a bit disappointing. Could have been a lot better. From, from what I've heard is, uh, essentially, the casting was pretty well done for the most part. Yeah. Like, uh, Vera Farminga, uh, who was in like The Conjuring and stuff like that, uh, she played Tony's mom, and I guess she did great. She from what I've heard, yep, she was good. Uh, was it? So you're basically saying is that the only way that anyone should watch this is is because you're a Sopranos fan, and the little nuggets and nods and winks they give you is basically the only reason that makes it like a good movie. Like, let's say this is just a standalone film, would you say that it wasn't very good? I would say it would be. Uh... A Friday night, Netflix, if you're looking for something to watch, but I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. Wow. I, yeah, it, 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 it is one of those, Sopranos is kind of a weird little community where it's basically, I'll be honest, they could slap shit on a, in a disc or in a DVD case and put the Sopranos label on it, and I'd probably love it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much still looking forward to watching it, but was it, would you say, like, it, was it a comedy? Did they... You said basically that it, it should be an eight to ten episode type thing. Are, could they make another prequel? Is there any reason why they couldn't just keep this sort of storyline going, or could they still? Did they leave the ending open where they could maybe still have a TV show? Oh no! Uh, yeah, like, a, like I, I think it's a, it's a totally un like we have this. It just so happens that uh, James Gandolfini's son looks exactly like him, can act. Uh, like it just seems like an untapped resource. Like well, let's squeeze this for every drop. 
Like, let's have a whole little prequel show series, like, centered around him as the main character. 100%, Jared. I mean, I think that's where they went wrong. They tried to they tried to pack a whole bunch of stuff in this two-hour movie, and if they, if they would have just expanded it into a series, they could even go two seasons if it's successful with good writing. Like you said, Gandolfini's a good actor. You know, Livia, the one who played her, she was great. I mean, there, there was some bright spots, but... For the standalone movie and all the anticipation, uh, I was a little disappointed. I'd, I'd be interested to hear your take on it once you do get a chance to watch it. Yeah, uh, I'll just say one last thing is, I mean, it, it does just seem like, man, this was such a layup just to have it be a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, why a movie? Right. Like you said, there's so much stuff to try to pack into a one, two-hour thing. Probably was rushed a lot yep. in some spots. Like, should have just been a TV show. I don't even need the movie to, to say that. I mean, could have basically just made it a Sopranos Jr., and follow the same sort of like you know video editing styles and maybe even try to get the same like showrunners to do it and it it just could have been such a great show 100 percent, couldn't agree more for sure all right uh i got one other thing just wanted to give you guys a recommendation if you get a chance to watch it uh you know who ken burns is the documentarian probably the the premier doc guy out there he put together a four-parter on pbs on muhammad ali i'm two and a half episodes in out of four, it's it's fantastic. It's just it's the ultimate Muhammad Ali biography. So if you get a chance to to catch it on PBS, highly recommend that one. That's three out of three. Is it about his career? Is it more about like his his life behind the scenes? Like what is it? It's it starts yeah. It's about his career. It starts when he's a young kid, and you know he worked his way uh, out of Louisville, Kentucky. Didn't have a lot of money. Made it to the Olympics. You know the you know the story. And and as he went his way up the ladder, but there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I'd kind of forgotten about. Even you know uh, how he got into the Muslim religion, and you know how there was a falling out between him and Malcolm X. There was a movie on Netflix I think called One Night in Miami. It kind of touched on that and uh it's just really really interesting the guy definitely is one of the most amazing athletes you know on the in the ring and out of the ring when you look at it i mean he's the greatest and his story this is the ultimate muhammad ali documentary so if you really want to learn about him if you don't know everything about him this this tells it all ken burns is the best there's no he's the goat without a doubt yeah you know, and we love our thirty for thirties, but uh, but Ken Burns is on a whole different level, I think. Right. Yep. All right. Well, that's all I got, guys. Anything else you want to get on the table before we call this a pod? I mean, I will say this: I know Shy Town's performing again on Saturday. I mean, pretty much a guarantee that you're going to be there. Where are they playing this week? I think at Byron Golf Course. Nope, because I'm going to be out of town. Remember. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably would. But, uh, yeah, the Chi-Town boys, again, put on a great show at Frankenmuth. And uh, we'll defi- I'll probably catch up with them on uh, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving unless I'm down at Ford Field doing a game, for sure. And where are you off to next, Jared? Friday we're at, it's going to be a great game, Rockford and Caledonia, Battle of the Unbeaten. Uh, and then the weekend after that, we're actually coming to the mid-Michigan region, Frankenmuth versus uh, Garber. So looking forward to that one. I mean, Frankenmuth, from what I've heard, has one hell of a team this year like they always Again. do. They're an inside beer team through and through, which I always love. So I'm excited for the next couple weeks. And, and Matt, you're doing some WNBA playoff stuff, huh? Yeah, we've been – I mean, we on top of all of our other programming we've been doing, yeah, WNBA and then NBA's coming back. Preseason's already going. Yeah. So, yeah, we're deep into the thick of it like you guys are too. So 
Busy time of the year, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep figuring out when we can record these things. A lot of fun and uh, definitely a lot of fun when Michigan's playing well. Well, we'll call it a wrap, boys. Make sure you follow us at 3 Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Tune in live on Z92.5 Friday, October 8th for the Castle Game of the Week. That's Hazlitt at St. John's. And, uh, Uh, For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying until next time, so long, everybody. Be safe out there. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ MidMichigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.